It never tells me when it's actually starting recording. That's the one. It actually thing. It. Uh, okay. Hello and welcome to Ranking Thrones, a podcast where I meet up with my good friend Evan to talk about the the hands of the king. Hi, Evan. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Been a long time, but this will be fun. Well, it won't be a long time when we release these episodes, but it's been a long time since we sat down to record one. The I last did. episode we did was, if you can remember, was on the hand Rogar Baratheon, who was the hand of the king and regent for a little bit for mm-hmm. for King Jaehaerys the first, hmm. and he kind of didn't do. A, a good, not much. a great job, but no, he did, he did much, but he like he was a bit, bit of a mixed bag. <laughs> Interesting mixed bag, but a mixed bag. Yes. And uh, sadly, he didn't m- make the cut. He was ultimately a Bambi, but mm. I think he's an interesting Bambi. <laughs> but he was a Bambi. But this week we have. Um, we are going into so all right to apologize and in one of our one only sort of reviews we've we've ever gotten on itunes evan Mm -hmm. um the the reviewer was very nice but he but i won't assume the gender sorry they Mm -hmm. they asked why did we not review we talk about some of the other blackfire pretenders Mm. such as uh hagon and anies uh, yes. Uh, Hagon and uh, Damon 3. And my answer to that, I'll say right now, is that we don't have enough information on some of these characters. And so the big character okay. that I think some friends of the show might be surprised that we're not going to cover for in our hands series is we're not covering, sadly, Septon Barth. And the reason why we're not covering Septon Barth is because even though Fire and Blood is a wonderful masterpiece that's very thick, mm-hmm. we don't get a lot about Septon Barth's what he did as Hand of the King, I feel, mm-hmm. or a lot of him as a character. Right. So we can't really tell his story. I will say in advance, if Evan still wants to do these podcasts, mm-hmm. I want to do an episode on Al on Queen Alsane, and we have lots of info that we can do for Queen Alsane. So Queen Alsane will be an episode, though. Right. I'm saying that now. <laughs> so we're not done with Jaehaerys yet, but we're jumping ahead to the dance. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite period of the of Westerosi he- history, other than you know the main series of the books. Mm-hmm. And because it's the Dance of the Dragons, this is, will probably end up being a two-parter. Unless yes. Evan wants to be like my good friend of the show, Jim, and sit in for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> that wonderful audiobook worthy experience. But yes. we're doing our first and only Hand of the Queen mm-hmm. for the Hand of Rhaenyra, who, yes, we included because under our rules that I may have tailored just so I could include Rhaenyra in the series (laughs) was that you had to sit on the Iron Throne and hold court. Now, I do recognize that also forced me to include (laughs) Tristane Truefire by my own rules. (laughs) But but it it led us to talk about Corliss and uh, and other fun characters. So 
This week we are covering Corliss Valerion. Mm-hmm. So, is he mentioned in Game of Thrones? No. No. But don't worry, he's going to be a character in House of the Dragon, so he's fine. Probably very much a major character. Let's hope so. Mm-hmm. So, does he have a nickname? Oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes. A very cool one, by the way. Yeah. Much better than actually his sigil, I'll say. <laughs> I know. They call, him, they call him the Sea Snake. The Sea Snake. Yes. Mm-hmm. Was considered the greatest mariner in Westerosi history. Oh, look at you. Mm-hmm. Normally I ask what you can tell me about him, but I think you can tell me quite a bit. Well, and the, you... thing, with, and the thing with this guy was that they basically, the, the, if you want, I mean, it's not official, it's not even anything I've heard, but it's just something I've kind of pieced together. The Valarian Empire, if you want to even call it that, was basically a series of trade networks on the Stepping Stones. They owned the Stepping Stones and the Narrow Sea for generations. Mm-hmm. So... Well, they were the Valerian family is descended mm. from just like the Targaryens from the blood of Valyria. Right. They are descended from the Valyrian Empire, but unlike the Valyria, unlike the Targaryens, they did not come with dragons. They no. came with naval power. Right. Which, in its own way, allows you to get something that can be even more valuable than dragons: gold. <laughs> well. Bucket loads of gold. It is an interesting power. Mm-hmm. And you could make a case. The Valerians, they they still have the, their power. Well, in the, well, let's face it. The Valerians were the Lannisters before the Lannisters. Well, let's talk a little bit about that as we get mm-hmm. into the life of Corlys Valerion. Continue. So, something great. Just maybe a sidebar. But but something wonderful about Fire and Blood is really emphasizing just how much all these family shifts happen within right. the context of of there always being a royal family. But there's periods where like this family is on top, the mm-hmm. Baratheons, and then slowly it becomes the Valerians. Then it becomes, for one brief moment, unfortunately, the Peaks. Yes. And it's just these families rise and fall. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, and, that's ba- and they were actually, I remember someone explicitly stated this, that the great houses that we think of in Game of Thrones during the Dance of the Dragons were relatively unimportant. They were they were not on top. You didn't. Well, there's still Lords Paramounts. They were Lords Paramount, but they weren't many of them, especially the heads of their families were not involved in the crown land politics. No, they weren't. So that's all fun. Mm-hmm. And that'll be fun to see in the House House, House of Dragon. We're very excited. And you can yes. tell when we're recording that it hasn't aired yet. So No, it has not we'll aired either yet. Be, we'll either be vindicated by our excitement or we'll be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. But either way, we're excited right now. Right. So, Corliss Valerion was the Lord of Driftmark and, like the Targaryens, descended from the Valerians. Corliss Valerian would never wear a crown, and yet his life was one of the most pivotal in one of the most chaotic times in Westerosi history. Mm-hmm. Arguably, he would be, and this may be already coloring our final verdict, mm-hmm. but I'm going to read this note. Arguably, 
he would be the Valerian's Aegon. That'll be a fun discussion at the end. Mm-hmm. As a young man, Corliss Valerian would earn the nickname of the Sea Snake in honor of the ship of the same name. He would go on nine legendary journeys to the east, traveling to Karth, Yeti, Leng, and Asai. It was alleged that he may have seen Sunchaser, the ship of Alyssa Farman, who sought to journey west of Westeros. But this was never confirmed. Corliss would also be the first Westerosi to navigate the Thousand Islands in the Shivering Sea. His final journey to Karth had him bring so many exotic creatures, spices, and silk. Unfortunately, the elephants he attempted to bring home did not survive the journey. Are we seeing a running gag here? <laughs> Though, the as George R. R. Martin was asked later on by a factoid about, about Balerion the Black Dread of how could they know that Balerion could eat an elephant whole. Just because the, the elephant didn't survive the journey home didn't mean the bones didn't survive. Good point. For them to make a comparison. Yeah. That was George R. R. Martin's little hand wave. I mean, it's it's certainly possible. Yeah. His exploits would be captured in the beloved book The Nine Voyages by Maester Mathis. So, great PR. Mm-hmm. So he'll well, never this, be forgotten. Think of this as uh, Julius Caesar's uh, trip to Britain. Or later <laughs> on, for Westerosi history, just the Daron's conquest. Yep. That he wrote himself. Mm-hmm. So, Lord Corliss was briefly the richest lord in the realm. Using that wealth, he constructed a new castle high tide and new towns were constructed hull and spice town making his lands more prosperous as they were trade towns mm-hmm. lord corliss soon earned the love of princess rainies daughter of Aemon, the prince of dragonstone and heir to the iron throne rainies asked for her grandfather jaharis the conciliator's blessing he stated that she could not have chosen a worthier man. Hooray. High, pra- high praise from one mm-hmm. of our favorites. Yep. And the top scorer. Uh, yes. The marriage of Corliss Valerion and Rhaenys Targaryen had an additional bonus as it helped to reconcile Jaehaerys the Conciliar and good queen Alysanne, who were in the midst of what would known, be known as the first quarrel, a deep mm. rift caused by Sarah Targaryen fleeing to the east. Hmm. Lord Corliss and Princess Rhaenys were happily awaiting their first child when tragedy struck the realm and the beginning of the tension that would doom the Targaryen dynasty. Hmm. In Mirren, a civil war would break. The fallen lords would flee to the west. But by the time they arrived near Tarth, they were nothing but a pirate band. Prince Aemon was sent to scout the invaders. He spied with the Lord of Tarth. The Myronese recognized the Lord of Tarth and shot a poisoned crossbow bolt at him. But Aemon, the Prince of Dragonstone, was struck in the neck. The realm and Myronese would rue the death of Prince Aemon. Mm. Enraged at the loss of his beloved brother, Balon the Brave mounted his dragon and burned the Myronese fleet. 
He then slaughtered many of the survivors on foot with his army. But when it was over, and as he was decorated, he wept before his mother, Queen Alisane, saying he killed thousands, but it did not bring back Amen. No. Very sweet. Yeah. And the best, one of the best examples of brotherly love mm-hmm. were the Targaryens. Yeah, no, especially compared to the story of that we're going to get to between Viserys oh. and Daemon. Yep. Although that ultimately is love, I think. But a real complicated a bit, love. A bit twisted love, yeah. Yeah. The death of Prince Aemon was more than a tragedy. It also presented a great problem for the delicate issue of succession. <laughs> Prince Aemon was the eldest son of King Jaehaerys, and as such was heir to the Iron Throne. Prince Aemon and his aunt-wife, Targaryens, J- Jocelyn Baratheon's only child was Princess Rhaenys, a daughter. Mm-hmm. The question now was whether or not the right of succession would go to Rhaenys. Rhaenys had a great line of supporters. It goes without saying that Lord Corlys Valerian supported Rhaenys. Mm-hmm. Because of Corlys, House Valerian was the most powerful house next to the Targaryens. More than that, Lord Corlys was master of ships mm. and had a fleet of ships more loyal to him than likely the king. Mm. Prince Rhaenys was a dragon rider, intelligent, brave, and beautiful. Also supporting her was her uncle, Lord Boromon Baratheon, Lord of Storm's End, and the closest historic allies of the Targaryens. Mm. He naturally supported his niece, but the most vocal and outspoken supporter of Princess Rhaenys was Jaehaerys' own wife, Good Queen Alysanne, mm. greatest consort of Westeros. Throwing it down, but I think I'm going to be honest. Mm. I think she's better than Visenya. That's that's fighting words for some people. <laughs> I know. I know. Throwing it down. Yep. But maybe next next season we'll get into that territory. <laughs> Prediction for a Battle of the Dragons. Ooh. It was said that when Rhaenys was born, Alysanne smiled as she took her granddaughter in her arms and hailed her as our queen-to-be. Her, mo- her mind on the matter was clear. Mm-hmm. Rhaenys was destined to be queen of Westeros. But even though Rhaenys was a worthy candidate, even though Rhaenys had numerous powerful allies, and even though Jaehaerys had long relied on Alysanne to the point that she had been able to mend the rift with the North when he could not, and was beloved and celebrated by the Night's Watch, Jaehaerys was uncertain that he should support a woman as his heir. A heartbroken and heavily pregnant Rhaenys argued that if her own claim was to be ignored, the right of her future son should be considered, which swayed some reluctant lords to still argue for the child of Rhaenys. But this did not sway Jaehaerys, who relied on Septon Barth, who argued in favor of Jaehaerys' second son, Balon the Brave. An enraged Queen Alysanne proudly said, A ruler needs a good head and a true heart. A cock is not essential. Mm. If your grace truly believes that women lack the wit to rule, 
Plainly, you have no further need of me. She then parted from Jaehaerys and would not see him again until the death of their daughter Septa Megal urged Regan's. Oh no, would not would not see each, him again until the their daughter Septa Megal urged reconciliation. Mm. Lord Corlys, understandably outraged by the decision, resigned as master of ships and left for Driftmark. Thus began the rift between House Valerion and House Targaryen. Princess Rhaenys gave birth to a daughter whom they named Lena. The birth of a daughter seemed to confirm the doubts and dismiss Rhaenys' support for the crown. But soon Rhaenys and Corlys would welcome a son, Laenor. More than that came the unexpected tragedy of the death of Balon the Brave. Mm. So now the question of succession arose once more. Now Lord Corlys was ready to fight for his wife and his son's chance for the throne. To resolve the issue of succession, a great council was held in Harrenhal in the year 101 AC. Numerous candidates were presented, and some argued for Rhaenys herself. Hmm. But the main debate was between Laenor Valerian and Balon's elder son, Viserys Targaryen. Lord Corlys would shower gifts and bribes, as well as keep a fleet of ships near. <laughs> but fighting for Viserys was his brother, Daemon Targaryen, who also rallied a potential army. Hmm. No battle took place, and the lords voted... 10 to 1 in favor of Prince Viserys over Laenor. To many, it was a clear precedent to Westeros. A woman was never to inherit the throne, and that the female line could never be cited in pressing inheritance. But the supporters of Laenor and Rhaenys were documented and their support of a female claimant would be crucial in the coming decades. Mm-hmm. For their own part, Corliss and Rainey's accepted defeat gracefully. No war erupted, nor any factionalism or slanders. But the realm would pity Princess Rainey's, who was dubbed the Queen Who Never Was. If Jaehaerys had favored Rainey's, could war have been averted? Would the dragons not have died? Or would the dance have simply come earlier? Yeah. I don't know. We don't know. We genuinely don't. Certainly many would understandably bemoan Rainey's not being selected for the incompetence of Viserys and the chaos that it would erupt from his decisions. Mm. It was a very famous little jab made by Mushroom. <laughs> Of what did Viserys have over Rhaenys? A little sausage? (laughs) Still, there was further reason for Corlys to feel slighted. Queen Aima Arryn died in childbirth to a cradle-death boy named Balon. After a period of mourning, it was suggested that King Viserys reconcile with House Valerian by taking the 12-year-old Lena Valerian as his queen. But King Viserys chose instead to marry for love and married Alicent Hightower, daughter Mm. to the Hand of the King and bedmaid to Jaehaerys the Conciliator. 
Incensed by this decision, the Valerians did not attend the wedding. Mm. Big notable absence. Yes. Soon, a new opportunity and ambition would come to Corliss. The rogue prince, Damon, had become estranged from his brother, the king. After word spread of Damon taunting the death of the one-day-old Prince de Balon, Viserys boldly declared his daughter, Rhaenyra, was his heir, rather than have Damon be his heir. <laughs> Enraged and further embittered after his mistress had a stillbirth, Damon would ally to an equally sour Corlys with dreams of glory in the east. Damon sought to conquer the Stepstones, and Lord Corlys eagerly supported the would-be conqueror for hopes of greater riches and glory. Hmm. After some bloody campaigns, Damon had conquered all but two of the islands and was formally crowned as King of the Stepstones by Lord Corlys. Hmm. However, the Triarchy immediately struck back and the long, intractable war wearied Damon and likely Corlys. Soon, Damon would return to Westeros and offered his crown to his brother. The sons of Balon were briefly reconciled, but then would become again estranged within six months for some offense involving Rhaenyra. Mm. Check out the Viserys episode to get into that period debate. Mm-hmm. Whatever the decision, the issue of of Rhaenyra's marriage was now in greater discussion. Queen Alicent argued, who, who long sought to have her son Aegon be declared Viserys' heir, mm-hmm. that Rhaenyra be wed to Aegon. But Viserys refused and instead hoped to heal the rift of House Valerian to House Targaryen by having his greatest rival claimant, Laenor Valerian, marry his heir, Rhaenyra Targaryen. Corlys Valerian happily agreed to their marriage raiment. At last his goal seemed imminent. One day a son who bore the name of Valerian would be king of Westeros. That's a bit supposition on my part, but I think that is was his main hope. It, w- it definitely wouldn't be out of out of the question. I mean... Cor- Corliss doesn't seem like someone he'd let an opportunity go by. Mm-hmm. There's just a quote later on that I'll I'll say that 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 for why I think that was one of his main goals. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if there was only one issue, it would be that it was well known in the realm that Lenor Valerian preferred the company of men. Mm-hmm. All of the realm including Corliss, seems to disregard the seem to disregard this despite Rainier, Princess Rhaenyra's strong objections. Mm. By outward appearances, the marriage was not quarrelsome, though it was openly suspected that the sons of Rhaenyra and Lenor were in fact fathered by Rhaenyra's favorite, Harwin Strong. Mm. The rumors of bastardry would eventually lead to Prince Aemond having his eye cut out by Prince Luke Valerion when he insultingly referred to them as the strong boys. (laughs) The king 
declared that anyone who dared refer to these rumors was to have their tongues cut out. Corliss was an intelligent man and likely aware that Rhaenyra's children had none of the Valyrian features. Perhaps it was because he could not afford to let his son's name be slandered, as well as his strong desire for a boy named Valerian as king, that he chose to ignore what all could see. Tywin 2.0? Maybe. Maybe. Mm. House of the Dragon, have fun with that. Uh, Yes. Have fun with that. Ah. I can't wait for the show. (laughs) (laughs) Marriage alliances would also continue to strengthen House Valerian as Prince Daemon would fall in love with Corlys, Corlys's daughter, Lena. Lena had been long betrothed to a Bravosi sea lord, but the youth had squandered his wealth and power and was effectively a beggar living in Driftmark on the charity of Corlys. Unable to dissolve the betrothal, betrothal for legal offenses, Damon Targaryen would set Lena free by challenging the Bravosi to a trial by combat for Lena's hand. The Bravosi was slain by Damon, and the two were wed. Although cynics will under, understandably claim that it was simply a power play by Damon, the marriage seems to have been happy, and the couple welcomed two daughters. Bela and Reyna. Furthering the, se- the strength and future of House Valerian, Prince Jacaris and Prince Lucaris, the, do- the sons of the Princess of Dragonstone, Rhaenyra's boys, were engaged, were betrothed to the two girls. So... I mean, get it, get cousin it. marriage, but but like House Valerian. I mean, Valeria, Valeria, they'll go with incest. I mean, uh, it's better than sisters, at least. Yes. It's better than siblings. Yeah. Not much, but. Not much better, but better. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, rapid tragedy would befall Corliss and House Valerian. Lena Valerian would die in childbirth to a stillborn son. Daemon Targaryen, in grief, would be consoled by Mm. Princess Rhaenyra. Convenient. Yeah. Well, as as I joked before, it's it's what Carrie Fisher said of of Eddie Fisher consoling the heartbroken uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Mm-hmm. He went, was by her side and slowly moved to her front. Jesus. Then in a tragedy that was conspicuously close, that Mushroom later reported intrigue, Lenor Valerian was dead. The king that never was was slain by either a jealous paramour of his or his paramour was paid to kill Lenor by Damon. Hmm. Regardless, the assassin was never found despite a hefty reward being offered for his head by Corliss. Hmm. 
also, curiously, oh, Princess yeah. Rhaenyra's favorite favorite, Sir Harwin Strong, died in a fire in Harrenhal, along with Lord Lionel Strong. Their deaths would also be attributed to Damon. But others whispered intrigue from King Viserys himself. The curse of Harrenhal, or intrigue, from the younger son, Lord Corlys, Laris Clubfoot. Hmm. You know, it also could have just been, you know, Harrenhal's cursed, you know, you know, lots of options. Lots of options, lots of suspects, no evidence. Have fun, House of the Dragon. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, in, I'm inclined to believe Viserys, and here's why. Damon is many things. A smooth operator is not one of them. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Okay. Because yeah. here's the deal. Damon strikes me as someone, if he did something that crazy, one of two things would happen. One, it would, one, he, he, he would brag about it. <laughs> especially if he got drunk. Especially if you, especially if you got him drunk. And two, he, he'd make it public. I don't know if he's that. It's not that he's an. It's not that he's an idiot. It's that he takes honor very personally. But maybe that's just me. Okay. Well, future episode. Well, that's that's my that's my two bits. <laughs> and Viserys is definitely one to let let's say cut let's say cut out obstacles. Um, I, I might be more inclined to believe it was Viserys, mm-hmm. but my reasons are more like it was his kind of typical, like, evasive solution uh, yes. to, to the problem. It was like, okay, maybe if I just kill Sir Harwin, then, like, they'll stop talking about this bastard thing. Right. He's not exactly, uh, he, he doesn't, bizarrely, he doesn't fix the problem. He just kind of tries to shove shove it away. Yeah. I mean that's unfortunately his tragedy. Uh, yes. Corliss seemed to cope as well as could be expected from the tragedies, and he was still close to Rhaenyra, so he either suspected nothing or was truly more concerned with his house than his blood. I'd buy it. I'll buy it. In point of fact, despite no blood relations beyond old Valyrian ties, Damon and Rhaenyra's first child, Prince Aegon the Younger, loved and respected Corlys, regarding him as an honorary grandfather. Mm-hmm. You ever see The Crown? Just the mm-hmm. Prince Charles and uh, and uh, Lord Mountbatten. Aww. Honorable grandfather, as he always called him. Hmm. Soon, Lord Corliss became ill and was feared that he would die. With Lainor dead, it had been decided that Luke Valerion, Rhaenyra's second son, would inherit Driftmark. However, rival claimants petitioned the king to not let a bastard claim Driftmark. Viserys hmm. angrily had the claimant's tongues and repeated that he warned others of what would happen if the slanders were repeated to him. 
The king then cut his palm on the Iron Throne and nearly died. Jesus. Were it not for Queen Rhaenyra's maester, Gerardus, who saved the king at the cost of some of his fingers. But huh. Queen Alicent was enraged that Rhaenyra had the temerity to favor her maester over the Grand Maester. <laughs> I have been alluding, but I will mention briefly, uh, of the greater factionalism that had taken root in Westeros between the claim of Rhaenyra as Viserys' heir and those who supported Alicent's son, Aegon. Mm. The faction for Rhaenyra was known as the Blacks, and the faction for Aegon were known as the Greens. Mm -hmm. Considering that his grandson was was Rhaenyra's heir, Corlys obviously supported Rhaenyra. Yes. After Viserys died supposedly, supposedly of old age, Queen Alicent would compel the small council to declare Aegon the Elder as king in defiance of Viserys' will. Aegon the Elder would reluctantly accept the crown and was crowned King Aegon II. When news of this came to Rhaenyra, she went into a frenzy and had a stillbirth of her daughter. Rhaenyra, enraged at the green, summoned her own council of blacks. She swore vengeance on the greens. A Kingsguard loyal to Rhaenyra presented the crown of her father and Jaehaerys the Conciliator. Rhaenyra was crowned the rightful queen of the Andals, the Rhoynar, and the First Men. She would be also declare that her consort, Daemon, as protector of the realm. Also, mm. she would declare Corlys Valerian, Hand of the Queen. Mm. The first and only man as of now to carry the title. <laughs> Lord Corliss would be one of the most crucial allies for Rhaenyra, as his men were half of her army. He also provided a fleet that made her naval strength vastly superior. Right. Also with her came Rhaenys, the queen who never was, who rode the m- most ancient dragon for the Blacks. For the Blacks, not the most ancient, ancient dragon, period. Right. Corlys Valerian urged the queen not to burn the city, as one of her counselors argued. His fleet maneuvered to cut off Blackwater Bay from all trade. Slowly starve him. Of course. Corlys Valerian would hear the news of the death of Prince Lucaris by Prince Aemond One-Eye, the first blood of the Dance of the Dragons. Mm. In her grief, in Queen Ray. Rhaenyra's grief, Lord Corliss would be charged with the Queen's War Council. After Rhaenyra's southern territories were attacked by the Greens, Lord Corliss had Princess Rhaenys go on her dragon to relieve their allies. However, it was a trap, and she soon faced off against Aegon II on Sunfire and Aemond One-Eye on Vagar the last dragon of the conquest and the greatest living dragon in Westeros. Hmm. Rhaenys did not flee and bravely fought. She would die, but she would severely maim Sunfire and Aegon II, whose health would never fully recover, hmm. and later was worsened by Corlys's granddaughter. <laughs> Corlys was understandably distraught by this and angrily blamed Rhaenyra for this. Oh, God. 
Rhaenyra, though, was still too emotionally damaged, as only Mushroom was reaching her at this point. So Corliss was, in effect, still the leader of the Blacks. He would also find a new and charismatic leader in Prince Jacaris Valerian. Prince Jake had returned from a possibly scandalous visit north and now suggested that they find more people to command their riderless dragons. Prince Jake suggested that an invitation be offered to all who wish to tame the dragons, in particular the Targaryen bastards dubbed the Dragon Seeds. Mm-hmm. Corliss Valerian presented two bastard children, Adam and Alan of Hull, the sons of a successful sailing merchant named Marilda of Hull, known as the Mouse. Corliss surprisingly proclaimed that they were the bastard children of Sir Lenor, which astonished many, considering Lenor's preferences. Mm Mm-hmm. Many whispered that they were, in fact, the sons of Corliss himself, and that he had never recognized them for the sake of not angering Rhaenys. Though, I mean, though it was said that Marilda did look fairly boyish. Huh. Hmm. Anyways. Adam and Alan were legitimized by, as Valerians by decree of Queen Rhaenyra. Okay, fine. I'll say it right now. They're his kids. I'm betting they're his. Uh, yeah. Yes. Adam would successfully tame the the dragon Sea Smoke. Alan Valerian was not as lucky as his attempt to tame the dragon Sheep Stealer, only only to be severely burned in the back. Hmm. However, he was fortunate to come out with only a scar, as many dragon seeds died in the process of trying to tame the dragons. Although never riding a dragon, Alan Valerian would soon rival his father or grandfather in popularity and impact. You know who he becomes, right? I'm trying to remember. Do. Okay. You'll you'll have to refresh my memory. I will. Just keep on listening. Mm Mm-hmm. The first debut of the dragon scenes was a Pyrrhic victory. Corliss's new port of Spicetown was destroyed. The Greens fleet was destroyed by the Dragon Seeds, but in their moment of victory, Prince Jacaris was killed by a random crossbow bolt. Mm. The death of Prince Jake snapped Queen Rhaenyra out of her melancholy as she took charge of her council and demanded vengeance. Meanwhile, a haughty Prince Aemon One-Eye, along with the hawkish Sir Criston Cole, sent the main green army from King's Landing to besiege Heron Hall. By the time they arrived, Daemon had abandoned the castle and was little defended. Aemon took the castle and celebrated victory. Unbeknownst to him, the Blacks then made their strike. Mm-hmm. King's Landing was only defen- attended by the City Watch were wholly loyal to their former commander, Damon. The Blacks took King's Landing with minimal bloodshed. Queen Alicent and Queen Helena were sent to the prisons. Rhaenyra at last sat on the Iron Throne, but many noted that her hands bled as she sat. Yeah. Should we go on? Yes. 
All right. So. When Rhaenyra had taken control of King's Landing, Corliss immediately suggested that an amnesty be offered across the realm. He urged the queen to forgive House Baratheon, House Hightower, and House Lannister. He also recommended that she have her treacherous stepbrothers take the Black and have Queen Helena and Queen Alicent join the faith. Lastly, he proposed that Aegon's youngest, Jahera, be made his ward and be betrothed to her son Aegon the Younger. Rhaenyra ignored her hand's counsel and demanded that the Greens be punished. Prince Daemon suggested that the, they destroy House Lannister and House Baratheon and have Ulf the White and Hugh Hammer take over as respective lords. Corlys was horrified by the suggestion and said that all of the lords would turn on them if they did such. Rhaenyra refused to grant pardons and placed bounties for Aegon II and his children. Unfortunately, the bounties led to the brutal death of the innocent Prince Maelor. His head was presented to Queen Rhaenyra, who either responded with joy or shame at it. I say shame. Yeah, that was an an incredibly stupid move. Well, no, it was just like an accident. Still. But yeah. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Soon after the after this, the ambitious Ulf the White and Hugh Hammer betrayed Rhaenyra and joined the Greens in the horrendous sacking of Tumbletown, the single worst battle in the Dance of the Dragons. And refresh my memory, who won that fight? Well, the Greens sacked the city. They took it from the Blacks in a brutal brutal siege with sacking so a lot of raping and murder it wasn't pretty it was ugly it was horrendous three dragons descending on a town jesus so that answer your question bad yeah it's like dorn bad Pretty much. After the betrayal by the two dragon seeds, Rhaenyra was paranoid of the other two, Nettles and Adam Valerian. Corlys passionately argued for the dragon seeds being of proven loyalty and worthy. But Lady Mazaria convinced Rhaenyra that the dragon seeds were treacherous oh. as... Oh, boy. Sorry, I'm going to take some water. Good. Oh, the anticipation is killing you. (laughs) We know where this is going. We are not liking where this is going to go. As Nettles had become Damon's lover. Infuriated by this, Rhaenyra ordered their immediate arrest. Lord Corlys warned Adam Valerian of his impending arrest, and Adam fled on his dragon sea smoke. Lord Corliss was then arrested and imprisoned in the black cells for his betrayal. Jesus. Adam Valerian later proved that he was indeed worthy of Corliss's defense when he led an attack on Tumbleton with an army of Riverlanders that had that led to the death of the true betrayers and their dragons, along with 
Prince Darren the Daring. Hmm. At the cost of 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 Adam's own life. So four dragons dead in one battle. Yep. What a waste. Crazy. Can't yeah. Wait. HBO just wow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, all our calls were successful. I'm sure they listen, of course, like the mm-hmm. producers on HBO are big fans, but <laughs> very good. This is going to be amazing to see visualized. I, I hope they pull it off. I just hope they pull it off. Alan Valerian would honor his brother with a tomb with the symbol of a mouse and a seahorse and the word loyal engraved. Aww. Half of Rhaenyra's forces were Corliss's soldiers. The Valerian soldiers abandoned Rhaenyra in protest to the imprisonment of their lord. Rhaenyra losing more forces and her mind soon saw the peasants riled up by the fanatic known as the Shepherd, who attacked his followers, attacked the dragon pit, leading to the slaughter of the dragons. Rhaenyra would flee King's Landing with her last surviving son, Aegon the Younger. She would find her brother waiting for her on Dragonstone and was fed to Aegon's dragon's sunfire before Aegon the Younger, Corliss's honorary grandson. Yeah. Meanwhile, in King's Landing, the Black Cells were opened by Sir Perkin the Flea, who seized control of the Red Keep with with his band band of armed peasants and his pretender Tristan Truefire. <laughs> Lord Corliss was freed along with Queen Alicent, and they advised King Tristane when an army led by Boris Baratheon soon was at King's Landing. Lord Corliss arranged a parley where he was able to guarantee the pardon of Sir Perkin the Flea and most of his men in exchange for the head of Tristane Truefire. Sir Perkin agreed to these terms and I, forsook the teenager he had made king for a month. Well, let's face it. One teenager, your lives, okay, pretty easy decision. The great line yeah. that, the great question and answer, my friend, from, this is part of the point of George R. 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 Martin's writing, mm-hmm. that Stannis Baratheon poses what is the life of one man against the life of thousands that was everything yeah but when it's this much of a disaster i don't think so well i here's the deal i understand why they did it yeah i really understand why they did it i understand but he's still an innocent i'm not really i'm not just an innocent pawn Right, and I'm not, but I'm also not begrudging him for the fact that it's like, okay, you guys dug yourself, you guys dug yourself into a pretty deep grave. Mm-hmm. If the, an easy way to get out of it, I understand. As the Greens sought to regain control of King's Land, King's Landing, and the realm, they knew that they needed to gain Lord Corliss's support, especially because he had a fleet under the command of Alan Valerion that was nearing Dragonstone 
Lord Corliss wanted the blacks to be pardoned. His granddaughter Bela freed from her imprisonment on Dragonstone and let Aegon II declare Prince Aegon the Younger as his heir and have him betrothed to Aegon II's daughter Jahera. Okay. Pretty powerful lord being able to call the shots. Well, and let's face it, I think everyone is in a position to where we we both want this to end. There's a way for us all to win. Let's let's be smart here. Well, well, there's also a reason why, but let me let me follow this up. Just, just let me. All right, so. Alicent was infuriated by these terms, but Lord Laris Clubfoot argued that it was necessary for them to ensure that Alan's fleet would not attack Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. He suggested they all they agree to all of Cor- Corliss's terms for now and later kill him once the crisis was over. Typical po- politician. Lord Corliss would help held back his son or grandson, Lord Allen, just as he was about to attack Aegon II. Hmm. So, I bet, yeah. Oh, no, no. Unless Corliss told him, like, stop. Mm-hmm. Son, stop. Yeah. It was like, Lord Allen, the future Allen Oakenfist. All right, I'll say it now. Allen mm-hmm. Oakenfist. He was just like, I would, he would have totally attacked Aegon. Oh, yes. Instead, Lord Allen was an escort for Aegon II's return. However, Allen still had his covert insult by having the king travel in the ship known as the Mouse, <laughs> making, it, making it clear to all what he thought of Aegon II. Yeah. They're not going to include that in House of the Dragon. This may have also been the moment that Bela and Alan began to notice. Oh, that Bela and Alan began to notice each other. Hintity hint hint. Mm-hmm. In King's Landing, Aegon II ordered the knighting and execution of Tristane Truefire. He also had the shepherd executed and the whores of Fleabottom that had proclaimed Aegon II's supposed bastard, Gaiman Palehair, king. <laughs> Gaiman's mother admitted under torture that Gaiman was not Aegon II's bastard, but that of the Lysini. Gaiman Palehair was spared and made a cupboy for Aegon II. Aegon II, just like Rhaenyra, scoffed at any turn terms of clemency that Lord Corliss urged him to consider. In fact, Aegon II wanted Aegon the Younger's blood to ensure that the blood of Rhaenyra died with him. Some suggested castrating Aegon the Younger, others that he take the black, while Tyland Lannister suggested executing the boy. A horrified Corliss called them fools, liars, and oathbreakers and left. Aegon II was infuriated by Lord Corliss and wanted him dead now and was only placated when he was assured that the council was plotting Lord Corliss's death. <laughs> Privately, Lord Laris Clubfoot had his own agenda. 
Despite the clubfoot being key to Aegon II being hidden on Dragonstone, he abandoned Aegon II and informed Lord Corlys of the plots against him. Lord Corlys, enraged, wanted to strike, but was told to wait as the two plotted. Soon, all of Lord Corlys's predictions came to be. Aegon II's strongest single ally, Prince Aemon, would die in single combat against Prince Daemon, costing the Greens the ancient and most powerful dragon, Vagar. Meanwhile, the black forces of, from Tumbleton, emboldened by the certainty that they would be punished by Aegon II, rallied and marched to King's Landing. Meanwhile, in the north, a fresh army led by Cregan Stark was moving south. Not good, Aegon. Not good. Lord Boris, confident he could crush the Black Army led by the young boy, Bloody Blen Blackwood, <laughs> met outside Black. of King's Landing. There, Lord Boris would bravely die in battle where, when Bloody Ben urged him to surrender as the Baratheon army was defeated. Jesus. With no army, but... Hey, at least Lord Boros died the way all Baratheons want to die. I know. With the sword in their hand. Still. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out that way for Rogar, despite trying. No. And gotta give props to Bloody. Mm-hmm. Bloody Ben. He was only... He was only 12. Rob Stark in the making. Yep. Darren the Younger. Mm-hmm. No, Darren the First. Darren the First, yeah. Mm. So. With no army, Aegon II desperately scrambled with what to do. All entreaties for support were met with a cold shoulder, as Lord Corlys warned would happen. Mm-hmm. Lord Corlys urged that the king offer to take the black which would guarantee his life and safety and spare the lives of many. However, the s- and Aegon was actually warming up to it, the idea. Yeah. However, the spiteful Alicent Hightower insisted that the Aegon the Younger would never let Aegon II surrender and would want Aegon II's blood. <clears throat> an exasperated Aegon II demanded Queen Alicent offer an alternative which she responded by having them cut off Aegon the Younger's ear and present it as a warning to the Blacks' army that for every additional mile, they would cut off another piece of Rhaenyra's son. Jesus. Meanwhile, to ensure that Lord Allen's fleet would likewise obey, she suggested they do such to Bela Targaryen. Corlys's who, by the way, is Corlys's granddaughter. Yeah, great move, Alicent. Aegon II agreed to the horror and disgust okay. of the others of the small council. Lord Corlys seems to have given a signal to Lord Larys to strike against Aegon II. As armed men were coming for Prince Aegon the Younger, Sir Perkin the Flea and others were at his defense. When the knights demanded that they move aside in the name of the king, Sir Perkin responded, we have a new king, and hurled them onto the spikes of the Red Keep. (laughs) Princess Bela was likewise protected from harm. 
Aegon II went into a sedan chair and drunk his favorite wine. And drunk his favorite wine, but this wine was mixed with poison. Mm. Lord Corliss proclaimed that Aegon the Younger was King Aegon III and that the dance was over. Bloody Ben's army was welcomed as liberators and King's Landing had a night of celebration. Lord Corliss sent envoys to all green strongholds suing for peace. However, soon came Lord Cregan, who took the command of King's Landing and mm. arrested Lord Corliss and all in the court, save for Princess Bela and Aegon III. Lord Cregan said that the war was far from over. Mm. However, as discussed before in the Aegon III episode, mm -hmm. part one episode, right. it would soon be the strength of women that most would-be continued agitators were calmed into submission. Worthy of note is the tale of savage Samantha Tarley, who seduced her son-in-law, Lionel Hightower, into accept accepting peace for her hand in marriage. Mm. She was two years older than, than, than Lionel Hightower, and, and like Lionel's father, Otto, had married her, mm -hmm. this absurdly youthful bride. Yep. And Lionel was obviously attracted to her. And when Otto Hightower died in in Tumbleton, by the way, mm -hmm. so he participated in that wow. massacre. Yeah. But when he died, he wanted Lionel wanted to avenge his his father, naturally. But he also was very attracted to Samantha Tarley. Hmm. Sam Tarley. Huh? Get it? Yep. Anyways, and Samantha let herself let him have her way with him. Or you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But yes. she said and he and he asked to marry her. She said, Yes, but please you cannot fight. I cannot bear to lose another husband. Mm -hmm. And so he chose the lady over war. Well Good. played. Well played, Lady Sam. Well played. Indeed. No more fighting, you idiot. Yeah. You lovable idiot. They had six kids. Cool. And were accused of, of, a, of an incestuous marriage. Technically not true. <laughs> well, not in the eyes of the maesters. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a fun tangent. I just had to say it. Yeah. I love that little bit in Fire and Blood. In King's Landing, Aegon III was deeply upset by the imprisonment of Lord Corliss, but Lord Cregan respected the king and explained why. Still, his suspicions of treachery and wrongdoing did not sway the king. Lord Cregan Stark was declared Hand of the King of Aegon III and proceeded to try all of those who were part of Aegon II's court. But when Lord Corliss was presented, friends and foes all spoke in the Sea Snake's defense. Most prominent of his defenders was Aegon III, who rose and defended Lord Corliss and said that if his will was to be ignored, he should not be king. Hmm. Well, in some versions, this is what swayed Lord Cregan to spare Lord Corliss. Another account again places the credit to a woman, Lady oh. Alisane Blackwood. 
Black Alley urged the Lord Cregan to spare Lord Corliss. The two had a romantic tete-a-tete where Lord Cregan deflected all of her arguments with a counter-argument, only to at last win with a witty sexual gag. <laughs> Lord Cregan agreed to spare Lord Corliss in exchange for Lady Alisane's hand in marriage, which was Lady Alisane's goal. Mushroom would wittily remark, a hand for a head. Hmm. Lord Corliss remained close to his dear honorary grandson, Aegon III, as a regency council was formed for the young king. Mm -hmm. Tragically, he did not live long enough to help Aegon, as he would die from a heart attack while climbing some stairs. (laughs) That's kind of amusing. Oh, come on, dude. He was, like, really old by that point. Still, though. All right. You left the, the first time I said that, too. I know. Slightly amusing. And that is the long and incredible story of Lord Corliss Valerion. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It is a lot. But that also leads to the big question. Was he a good hand of the king? Let's find out. All right. Okay. Let's keep going then. All right. Mm-hmm. So the first category of the hand. Mm-hmm. So first for time as hand, he was only a hand of the of the queen for one year. So one point for that. Right. But what a year. I know. What a year. So he consistently urged Queen Rhaenyra to not be as ruthless as other members of her council urged. Mm -hmm. He convinced her never to sack King's Landing. Looking at you, Daenerys. I know. Of the show. Yes. Well, may, maybe book Daenerys, but under different circumstances. Probably, but we'll see. Continue. He brought forth his bastard children, Adam and Alan, as potential dragon riders. The two became invaluable allies in the Dance of the Dragons, with Alan Valerian becoming one of the most pivotal figures of Westerosi history. Mm. He always urged for reunity of the warring factions and for clemency with both Rhaenyra and Aegon the Second. Mm-hmm. He arguably ended the Dance of the Dragons by ending Aegon the Second's life and immediately following up with peace envoys to all in the realm. These envoys were in the end successful. Despite having fought for the Blacks, he was defended by green by members of the Green faction hmm. at his trial with Aegon III and Lady Alysanne Blackwood are urging his pardon. He would be the only man pardoned by Lord mm-hmm. Cregan. <laughs> Lord Cregan, who famously condemned Sir Perkin the Flea, and when Sir Perkin said, like, I've been, a bi- I've been pardoned of these crimes, Lord Cregan's response was, not by me. Yeah. So, pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, and what was it? He he tried what? I can't, I get the number, the number like twenty people, something like that. At least. At least. And it was like I think it was what all but five said we'll take the black. The other ones were. Only two. Only, Only two. two? Did. Only two. Yep. Uh, and all the rest of them were were decapitated. 
Oh, only two were decapitated. Sorry, all, sorry, other way around. Only two were decapitated, all the rest of them took the black. Yep. Well, uh, the Night's Watch probably had a very interesting conversation, had a very interesting conversation with that with when they arrived. No, oh, not really. Just like, oh, new recruits. Yeah. It's like, we didn't, hmm. they, it's not like they get to be picky with with who. Right, sometimes they have to take what they get. Although, admittedly, by this time, if you notice, the wall wasn't exactly... It, it was relatively well supplied by it at this time. Yep, thanks to thanks to mm-hmm. Alisane. Right. So. And so, also, okay, last one. <laughs> yep. Without his support, Rhaenyra quickly fell from power in King's Landing. Hmm. So... It, he it, did give. He gave her very valuable counsel. Right. The, the the advice he gave was very good, very reasonable. But the prob. But but it begs the question of why. Of of. It, it's kind of one of those. Good advice. No one took it. Because the the people he was he was serving, were so freaking bloodthirsty. I mean, it's hard to. This is just like what we've had to do with with all, all the dance figures. It's it's mm-hmm. hard because, but in a way, at the same time, it's also perfect because this is when you are at your most who you really are mm-hmm. is in moments of crisis. Right. So I don't know. It's like one of those things where he's not a very dominant hand. Right. Because like his counsel. Just gets the hollow vindication. Yeah. Of like every time they don't follow his advice, it's a little like Ned. Of like every time you don't follow my advice, like just comes to bite you. Right. Although, although unlike Ned, it's the opposite. It's it's kind of the opposite where it's like Corliss. And and the, I think the tough part for him was is that he had to sit back. And he was never allowed to say, I told you so. Because they would kill him. Mm. So, and that's the problem is that he's dealing, he's dealing with very fierce personalities the best he can. I mean, he's a fierce personality of him himself, but, and, uh, I mean, some of the things that for my own interpretation, I, I, I include he he does have a little bit of Tywin in him in terms of like being a cold calculating guy, but at the end of the day he's a real nice guy and he's a real fun guy. I think he's about he's about halfway between Ned and Tywin. He's got the competence and political acumen of Tywin, but he also understands the humanity level that that Ned has. Mm. So it's it's very very tough. It's very very yeah. Tough. I don't know. I I I was I love the advice he gives, but no one and, and I, I I I I can't give him at all full marks because pretty much the left. only time the one person who who did follow his advice he wasn't hand of the king for right and he was ten. <sighs> you know what? Honestly, though. We got to do a little bit of a Saris the second, I think, and just be right. Those final actions, I think, are are going to be his final actions. Once he 
It's a bit bloodthirsty of me, but but honestly, doing the coup mm-hmm. against Aegon the Second is what he's going to be remembered for. And believe me, no one was sad to see that go. I'm personally faulting him. I think Craigon and Coralus should have gotten rid of gotten rid of Alicent Hightower, but maybe that's just me. Well, come on, she was just put in a tower and shut up for all. I mean, well, the problem is that they should have gotten rid of her much earlier. She caused a lot of problems. Yeah, well. Well, by the time... By the time... Corliss is a green... Mm -hmm. It's like, it's too late for that, dude. It is. It's way too late for that. It's like... In terms of, like, at the end of her being... Showing how monstrous she really is. Right. But, like, that's just a... It's just a telling moment for both of Aegon and her. Right. She'll be a fun episode. Uh, So, I'll go... You know, it's just, like, the good advice he gives. Mm -hmm. I can't give him full marks because they didn't follow them. Right. The coup is so well orchestrated, and and it pretty much is what ends the war. Right. All, especially like the peace envoys, all the like because all the l- lords are dead, the ladies are just like, yeah, sign me <laughs> up. And like the ones that like don't, do have a, a lord to replace, like it's the Sam, it's the Samantha Tarley of just like, oh, do you really want to go to war or do you want <laughs> me? It's just like, what was that? There was another one where I think it was, I remember the Tyrells where it's just like, oh, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Right, it's like the men. It's like the men might not have been a reasonable, but his wife was much more reasonable, and she was willing to play ball. And I think that's kind of the running gag of what ha- what happened here was that it's like, oh yeah, all the lords are dead because they all were fighting, which means you can negotiate with their wives. Yeah. Who... Well, like the lord of of Lord Tyrell at this point is a baby. The exactly. Lord so it's like, let's. So it's just like, so the mom is in charge, and she's like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm signing we'll, up. These we'll, terms. Negoc- yes. we'll negotiate. Yeah, we'll negotiate. So ironically, ironically, he was a he wasn't necessarily a leader of men. He was a he was a a speaker to women. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. I never thought of it that way, but that was in a bizarre way. But again, I think that's a that's a a running theme. But the woman he he was he got the ha- handpin from was the one that didn't listen to him. But then right. she didn't listen to a lot of people, so that's her own and, problem. So yeah, and Paul, um, uh, Rhaenyra was um, a bit extreme. Oh, but I like her. I mean, oh, she, she's a, oh well, she's, she's a dragon. Now, but yeah, now, let's now let's. She's a hell of a character, but you bring yeah. up a good point where it's like these great characters, these very likable characters, but were they ultimately successful at their job? Honestly. I don't think Chorus Valarian was actually a, a successful Hand of the King because he wasn't Hand of the King for very long. And the person he w- the, the person he was supposed to serve didn't listen. And ironically, it was his enemies that ended up actually being more on his side. So I'm going to give him a six. I'm going to give him a six as well, but th- I'm a bit more complimentary of he ended up pulling a hat trick at the end with the coup. Uh, yes. And I mean, that, that's, Aegon... that's that's his, that was his most brilliant. And one could almost argue his 
only truly successful move. But, but it's also the only moment where where someone does exactly what he asks, and it actually does end the war. Yeah, and it actually works out the way way it worked. So basically, all that Cregan actually really does mm-hmm. is just clear out the corruption and let Aegon the Third have a pretty de- good shot at a good court. Exactly. But exactly. even that's not doesn't fully happen because you know Unwin Peak. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, the peaks. Yeah. So. All right, that's 12. Right. All right. The Queen's Fist. So. Yep. He provided half of the land forces of Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. His fleet cut off all supplies coming to King's Landing for the Greens. Hmm. He and the Blacks were able to take King's Landing. Yes. Decent points, but he's also. Uh, I mean, he is the commander at at various points. But he's but, certainly, but he's not in the field, and he's not even really. He's not even really the the coordinator of it. I mean, he is, but but that also is going to get into Demon Monkey because he he kind of. Let his he fell for a trap for his wife that led to the death of his own wife, and that was a kind of a pathetically obvious trap. Uh, well, kind of, but yeah, it was one of those where like that trap worked almost too well. So, um, you know, the thing is, like, we give points for being a good general. He he's a good general. He's he, not he's he not a great general. He's good supplying. Right. Basically, and and again, like the thing is, like, I guess we didn't mention it for the last point, but like it's the thing is, like, once he's out of the picture for Rhaenyra, it all falls apart for Rhaenyra. Right. And Which so is, yeah, right, he's a. It's very very weird. He's he's not a. He's not a commander. He's not a battlefield commander, really. He's more of the. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to find it, find a rough equivalent, and unfortunately, there. You want to know what he is? He's kind of the opposite of Elen- Eleanor of Aquitaine, where she brought in all the. No, no. She brought in all this money and soldiers, from the from the province of of Aquitaine. That basically financed. England for generations. It financed and held the soldiers, uh, or at least the French warriors, that England had for generations. Mm-hmm. But were they actually on the battlefield? No. Did they? Was he involved? Was Corliss involved in some councils? Yes. Was he or the councils. grand strategist? Was he the grand strategist? Eh, I think from from the point of view of. I think his goal was always to try to get people to the peace table. He wanted, he wanted to get peace talks going. Yeah. And the problem was, is that he was dealing with these figures who just really did not want to, to be brought to the table. Mm. Is that his fault? No. 
would a po- would would a possibly more skilled general or commander have done better? Maybe. It's it's tough to say. I mean, this is the Dance of the Dragons. This is uh, right. It's a really complicated times. Uh actually, you know, you know what he was? You know what he was? He was the Tywin to Joffrey. But take out, <laughs> but take out any presence on the battlefield, really. Yeah. Um. So this is him as a military commander, uh, but mm-hmm. as well as supplies. And without him. He destroyed. Without him, he destroyed. Without him, Rhaenyra is destroyed, and he, and his forces also were this close to destroying Aegon as well. Right. I'm going to give them. I'm going to give them a six and a half. I think I'll be a bit nicer. I'll give him. No, I I really shouldn't be that generous. I was going to give him a seven. I'm just debating on it now. Actually, I think seven is fine because, like, that's like it's like it's in that co- commander capacity. So yeah. Well, again, and I'm I'm someone who judges. I judge military skill very harshly because, again, you have to be great because great generals get stuff done. Okay. And he did, and he did. He was a good general, but he just wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. All right. So I don't think it was great either, but yeah, I think he's pretty effective. Right. But he did provide, he provided, his main attribution as a general was that he provided basically the core of the Black's army. Yes. But he didn't really command it himself per se. Strategically, so, he did, but not Strategically, enough. yes, but he was not a battlefield commander. But I think that's fine. I mean, yeah. All right. So 13.5. 13.5. All right. Mm-hmm. So next category, demon monkeys. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get into the negative. Yeah. So I mean, the biggest negative was no one freaking listened to the guy. Well, that's more of the fault of them. I, I mean, know. Like the hand of the king can only do so much. Well, the Hand of the King can technically only give advice. Yes. And that's like, and Corliss is a great example of like, he's giving the best possible advice, but unfortunately no one's listening to him. Right. And the personalities and, that dealing with her are too extreme to play the, the puppet master. I mean, it's just a, it depends on the King and it depends on the situation because mm-hmm. we've, because they're we're going to deal with a, with um eventually like a king that is, hands that are truly the oh, the ruler, but the which we have yet to really encounter. But this is the great example of the uh, of the other spectrum of advisor hands. Mm-hmm. And Corliss is like the best example of like how an advisor hand can be can be tragic when the advice is totally ignored. Right. And it's really good advice. Yeah. So. It would certainly be the way that Tywin Lannister would fancy himself if he wrote his autobiography. Of course. <laughs> but yeah. So. During his com- that'd be, command. That'd be an interesting tale. 
be a really insidious tale. Uh, I think he'd. I think he would praise himself far more than he deserved. Oh yeah, that's exactly why. I was like, not only would he do that, but he'd also like just like either not mention or or think of it. All of his horrendous things is like amazing and awesome. Mm-hmm. Or downplay. It's like so. It's like no. Yeah. Preview of the Taiwan episode. So yeah. During have a, we'll have a very very long discussion about Taiwan. Yes, we will. So. During his command, he had his wife Rainies sent to defend Reach territory loyal to Rhaenyra that led to his death. That led to her death. He failed in being able to protect the new city, his new city of Spicetown. He did not actually succeed in any of his entreaties for clemency and reunification of the blacks and greens. Mm-hmm. At least to Aegon and and Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aegon the Third listened and said, "Like, yeah." But again, he was ten, so right, he was a kid. As Cregan Stark fairly pointed out, he indisputably betrayed and killed his king. Yes. Granted, Aegon II had crossed a deep line of acceptable behavior. Agreed. But Corliss had mm-hmm. sworn allegiance to Aegon II. Mm. And lastly, Corliss did not object to the execution of Tristane Truefire, and he kept Sir Perkin the Flea as commander of the City Watch. Yeah, that's a little, it's a little iffy. It's a funny one. He, it's a funny one. He's a failure, but it wasn't. Huh. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. He was more hamstrung by both the times he was in. And the people he was the people he was serving. I mean, he, what what kind of a handship would he have had if he were the hand of Aegon the Third? But then again, that's a, that's the question we always ask. Like, it's like, what would Rhaenyra have been like if she had just been named queen? But then that's, that's like, that's too bad. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is when you were hand of the king, right? This is when you were hand of the queen, right? And, and I mean, I hate is, to say it. As a pure hand of the hand of the queen, I mean, he he did pretty badly. I don't think he did badly. It's just again, he. It's just like he said. He's he's hamstrung. He's. I don't know. It's just like he he kept on like doing everything for Rhaenyra and like giving her. I mean, like, it was under his handship she did get the frickin' King's Landing. Mm-hmm. And after she's taken King's Landing, he's then like, okay, we've got it. Now. Now you've got your solid position of power. Mm-hmm. Let's make peace. <clears throat> Let's make offers of peace. Right. She's like, no. No way. And he's kind of like, it's like, I'm begging you. I wonder if there was ever a point where he's like, I 
am begging you that this is going to backfire if you continue this. Yeah, so he, I think he's doing the, he's making the right calls. He's making the right calls. And so it's just, it's, and again, consider like, I guess I'm putting a bit more emphasis to, of that, like, once he's gone, it really does fall apart. Uh, agreed. Agreed. So I'm going, but no, 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 these are mistakes. Oh, yeah. These are like honestly like wartime mistakes, and also just like again, like it's like he—he's hand of the king, and he can only hand of the queen. He can only go so far. Right. He can't. He, he's not king. I mean, Even honestly, I, I mean, I forgive him for killing. I mean, like, yeah, yes, he broke for his oath. Like, yeah, like, I, mean, like, I don't I, care. It's like, it's like, it's like, like Aegon had crossed the line. Was like, yeah, no. Yeah. Crossed the line, and he knew that it's like, all right, that's it. If they aren't going to negotiate, I'll, I'm going to do this the hard way. Well, not, not just that, dude. It's like, it's like, no, no, no. Like, Aegon is now like, Aegon the second became a monster for like being okay with like Alicent's ideas. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like well, no stop also, her. Yeah. Also, he probably should have executed Alicent. Um, I'm I know it's harsh, but he probably should have executed Alicent. Well, again, I say like it was fine. She was just in her tower for the rest of her days. She still, I, I still think she got off pretty scot free. She did, but like it's still just like hey, she still died miserably. Yeah. Miserably unforgotten and hey. a year earlier wouldn't have a year earlier wouldn't wouldn't have been too bad either. <laughs> okay, Mr. Bloodthirsty. Uh, yeah, I mean, and everyone liked him. So yes, yeah, so, oh, and the fact that he was defended by his enemies. I mean, that that, that, that might be a final verdict talk, but mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna go about five. Same. I'm gonna go five. It's like most of these mistakes are like, yes, mistakes, but they're honest, like a lot of people would make these mistakes. Right. And again, it's not it's not his fault that no one listened to him. <laughs> yeah, it really isn't. It's not his fault. OK, get ready for a treasure trove of fan art. Oh, OK. Next category of the portrait. So mm-hmm. a lot of people uh, like to. Draw Corliss. And okay, first one is from Histories and Lore from season five of of the special features of Game of Thrones. Oh. He's not a too bit they don't talk about him too much, but that's the first one. Okay. Here's a younger Corliss. This is when he's still the sea snake. Mm-hmm. Or, well, he always was a sea snake, but, you know, the legendary seafarer. Mm-hmm. This is him much more at... Oh, no. Sorry. But that's number two. Yeah, that's number two. This one is him at the dance era. Oh, that's cool. This gorgeous one, don't know who by whom, but it's very Aegon. It is very Aegon. This one. Mm-hmm. Very cool. 
And uh, this one, nice little cute one of Aww. of Rainey's and him. So, a lot I'm of options. Gonna go, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give him a nine. I mean, anyway, stretch it. However, ever, everyone goes for it. He's got a presence. He's got a presence. Yes. He's a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even like the age, artists are nice. They don't make him look feeble. Mm-hmm. He looks like a commander still. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll, he's like a grizzled warrior. Um, he definitely looks. He he looks like someone I would follow. I mean, heck, I'll be honest. I'll give him five. I'll give him the full marks. Okay. I got no problem. Give him full marks. So mm-hmm. you you're gonna go with half that? Oh no no no! no. I'm go- no I'm going with the five with the five as well. You're going with five as well? Oh awesome! Okay yeah. cool. All right ten. First yeah. one. Good for you. Yeah. Alrighty. So. Total score, time is hand, one. The hand, 12. <clears throat> the king, the queen's fist, 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. Demon monkeys, 10. Portrait, 10. Perfect score there. Mm-hmm. Gives him a grand total of 46.5. Unfortunately, that's the lowest so far. Right. <laughs> so, interesting. But hmm. with all that in mind, right. is he a warship or a dinghy? Let's give it a nautical theme. I don't think sea. I was like sea serpent. It's, it's, like, no. it's like I, um, I would almost call him sea serpent, right. but it's like it's like the horse. The seahorse is a little bit of a silly thing to call. The, the final category. So I went with a bit more nautical. This is just warship or dinghy. <sighs> you know, it's funny. As the hand, he was a dinghy. As a man, he was a warship. I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely think he's a warship. Uh, yes. Because, like, honestly, okay, it's like, it's one of those things where, where he. So the the man himself. We're, we're, we're just like there's no 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 way this man will ever be forgotten. No. Of like one just his voyages as that mm-hmm. earned him his legend makes him already like where it's like he would not be forgotten. Right. But then like he he goes through this explosive of time and he is one vibrant character. Mm-hmm. And I think. The, the awesome thing is all the historians are pretty simpatico on him. It's like, oh. like even the people that hate Rhaenyra is like, nah, but he is cool. Right. He's cool. Like he's good. Like he's a good guy. And even like his worst things he does, it's like, it's like, you kind of like, it's like, yep, yeah, nope, I'm fine with those terrible things you did. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah, he killed Aegon the second. It's like, I'm not sorry for Aegon the second being dead. Right. Like good riddance. Yeah. So, 
It's like good riddance, jerk. Yeah. Um That's fair. I mean like I mean, you, you, you are really like I. I thought I would be much more like virulently like in love with him and like defend him. I really mm. love this character, right? And I really like him. But you, you are making a case to me. It was like, yeah, he kind of was a failure as hand of the king. Yeah. But, but like, it's just like well, but I mean, again, like I like the the pitying defense that we both. It's like it's not his fault. Right. Well, he's kind of like he's kind of like Viserys the first, which we'll probably do later on. Whereas. Viserys as the man running the kingdom for 15 years, not bad. Well, but we, 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 we did Viserys a second, and yeah, and that, that was our conclusion. Right. He, was, he was the secret dragon. Right, the secret dragon. This guy is kind of like, uh, almost like, he is, he's the warship with one torn sail. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best comparison we can think of, where it's like he should have he should have been great, but but just bad luck and fate conspired against him. I would okay, going with that nautical theme, mm-hmm. it, it's just no, he's a great weathered warship. Right. And as much as like the cannons and and fire tried to to knock him down, mm-hmm. he with, withstood it all, yeah, and still is pretty damn impressive. <laughs> so that's fair. Yeah, I mean, like uh, he he oh, gave what, the right oh, advice, right? Like, and when he was defeated, he accepted defeat gracefully. Yes, and he was a pretty heroic guy because he freed Adam Valerion. Mm-hmm. And later, like he—he's the only thing that stopped Alan Oakenfist. He's the oh, only yeah. one who could really command like that kind of like the future young prodigy Alan Oakenfist to like saying like, "Nope, son, mm-hmm. stop." I was like, "Yes, Dad." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "But I want to kill Egg on the second. No. Not as I know. Not yet. It's like fine, Dad. Fine. <laughs> So, uh, last question. I can, I can imagine having the conversation with like, son, don't make me come out there. And it's like, yes, dad. <laughs> I'll do this your way. So, I made the assertion. What do you think of my assertion, though? I, I, think, I think he, I think he is the he's, he's a withered warship with a slightly broken sail. Okay, so we agreed warship. Congratulations. Yeah. You've made the cut. Yes, barely. But, but again, there was a, there, again. There's a very. Here's the deal. You got in as by your merits as a man, but not as hand. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have that caveat. Yes. But oh, okay. La- last question though. Mm-hmm. Is what do you think uh, about uh, about my little claim that is he the Valerian's Aegon? In a way, yes. I think he is their apex. I mean, like the thing is, Alan Oakenfest really does claim a big, big shadow too. Uh, agreed, agreed. Well, I'm trying to think what made the Valarians kind of fade, fade, or did he just kind of naturally fade? It's kind of naturally fade. Mm-hmm. You don't get much, 
Well, because you like, don't hear after, much about them after the Allen. It's just like it's pretty much that's it. Right, because you don't really hear anything about them with the Black Fires either. We don't really know what was happening with them. They probably stayed loyal to the Tigarians, but we don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So, because let's face it, the Black Fires will be around in another fifty years. Right. It, t- it takes another fifty years for them to get to become an, uh, a problem. Mm-hmm. So, but again, and also we don't really know I, what's. I can't remember their allegiance in the Five Kings either. Um, the the bastard. Um, well, the, they're not featured in the show, but the bastard inheritor Orain Waters, right, um, is in appears in a feast for crows. And Cersei notes that he looks very much like Rhaegar Targaryen. Which is why she and then he, he gave did. him... Yeah. Gave him the same. By, by, by the way, as we shouldn't mention, Cersei in the, in the book is much, much less intelligent. Yeah. She, she then... Um, she, she ends up, like, giving a fleet to Orain Waters, who then immediately defects to... Mm-hmm. To... Aegon. Right, or Phaegon. Yeah, well... Again, long story short, Cersei made a really stupid move. Yeah. So... Just another another tally mark at that point. Okay, so... Thanks so much for listening. Next episode, mm-hmm. we will be covering Sir Kristen Cole, the Kingmaker. Mm-hmm. See you then. See you then, everybody.